If you're enjoying the show and want more, check out loudpipes.net slash donate. For as little as $1 per month, you'll gain exclusive access to the Loud Pipes after show, The Downshift, as well as other content and sneak peeks available only to our supporters. Better yet, come ride with us. Step up to $5 a month and receive an invitation to the monthly video hangout and the Riders of Loud Pipes private social network. Hang out in the clubhouse with other riders, chat with us on show topics, and so much more. Loudpipes.net slash donate. It's time for Loud Pipes. The podcast centered around motorcycles, the motorcycle experience, and other automotive diversions. Recording from R-Dub Studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, or wherever sufficient bandwidth can be located. Here's Rich Warfield and Rico Hogan. Loud Pipes episode 81. We're going to be talking about the Isle of Man tonight, mainly from someone who has spent quite a bit of time living there. We have uh, Mr. Ben Gilmore, who we're going to be speaking with here in a moment. And we're also, of course, be talking about the Isle of Man TT and all the exciting racing that happens over there. Mr. Hogan, are you ready to talk TT? Oh, man, I am so excited. I've been stoked all day to talk about this tonight, so I am pumped. Well, are you pumped enough to still have a beverage, or are you going to go with water? Now, you know a brother's got to have his beer by his side. (laughs) (laughs) Got to get my drink on. Yeah, got to get my drink on, pimping. Got to do it. So I'm I'm drinking another uh, Carta Blanca. You know, Wyman turned me on to this, so I'm having another one. I think this was actually left over from when he was here. (laughs) So I'm finishing these up, so I got like two more in the fridge, so I'm going to finish them up tonight during the show. Very nice, very nice. Well, I'm I'm still, uh, I guess, semi-recovering, so we're still drinking red wine. Nice. And tonight we're going to spice it up with a menage a trois silk. And I kid you not, that's the name of the wine. Shit. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> Sounds kinky. It's, a, it's like a red blend. It's, it's kind of soft. It's not bad. Okay. Mm. All right. We'll enjoy that. Oh, wait. Let me, let me do this. Oh, it's canned. Oh, yes, nice. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's not leave our guest out. Let's bring in let's bring in Ben Gilmore. So we'll let him do a proper introduction, but I know uh, he lives or has lived on the Isle of Man, has been to many a TT, and is now into a lot of sport fishing down in Costa Rica. So Ben, welcome to Loud Pipes. Awesome to be on the show, guys. Thanks for inviting me, Rich and, and Rico. Sat here in, in Costa Rica, living living down in, in Capos, um, but I'm born and bred in the Isle of Man. Met up with Rico a few months ago, and he nearly fell off his chair when he found out I was from the Isle of Man. <laughs> he, he got be very excited. Um, so yeah, here I am, Joe, and really pumped to be here, guys, tonight. My my beer tonight, guys, my, my wife did the shopping today, unfortunately. Um, she picked out what is not Costa Rica's finest beer. Uh-oh. Um, but it's nice and cold. You know, it'll take the edge off the day. It's called Bohemia. Rico will know it well. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> know what? It's, it's beer and it's good. Is it, right. is it like the Costa Rican Budweiser? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. It'll do, guys. <laughs> it will. <laughs> awesome. Well, and we're not leaving out our technical director tonight, but he is off in the mountains hanging out with the Moto Vloggers, and he might be joining us on the live stream to pepper in a few questions. So 
So that's for John. We'll drink one for him. We know he's having a bunch of fun. And I think, Rico, he's covered five, 600 miles already and the Wheels Through Time Vintage Museum. That's crazy. I got a, a, a major catching up to do when I get back. Yeah, you're going to need to put some miles on that, big baby. Oh, you know I will, baby boy. You know I will. All right. Well, let, let's, get, let's give Ben a little background on how we got to the Isle of Man, because I think this is interesting because you... Being a former sport bike rider, yep. I don't know if you hadn't heard of it or you just, maybe you just hadn't really looked at it, but until we really got doing the show and then I started sharing with you, you know, my love for it and I shared a couple of the DVDs, then you were hooked, hook, line and sinker. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, I've always heard of it, but just never followed it. You know, I knew it was on an island somewhere in the... Yep, yep out there somewhere and i was like well okay cool but you know i know i knew of guy martin and uh, that's as far as it went but to follow him on the isle of man i had not got into yeah but as soon as you turned me on to it it's like oh then it all clicked and then it's just like oh you fall in love with all the with all the the twisties and riding through the 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 capital and through the mountain and everything and we'll get to that yeah here shortly indeed so I think we need just a bit of a geography lesson. I know, you know, for myself, I have a rough idea where it is and, and how it's laid out, but we'll have Ben give us a little geography lesson of, you know, where the Isle of Man sits, sort of how it's laid out and a little bit about the country, if you don't mind. Yeah, pleasure, guys. So the, so the Isle of Man um, is slap bang in the middle of the Irish Sea. Um, it's a very small island. Um, 33 miles long, 10, 11 miles wide, kind of in between England, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales, right, right in the ocean in the middle. Okay. Kind of the, the residents of the Isle of Man, we, we're about 80,000 people. Um, we've often been described as 80,000 alcoholics bringing <laughs> a rock. <laughs> oh, you fit right in. <laughs> you got the right show. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. So yeah, it's yeah, kind of kind of like a, you know, living now in Costa Rica, a lot of people ask me where you're from. I tell them about the Isle of Man. 99% of people have never heard of it. Mm. Rico had when I met him. And I've met one Costa Rican that has also, and he was absolutely crazy about the TT. So we're quite, unless you're a bike fan, we're kind of like an unknown entity, really. Right. Or if you're a, a drinking tourist. Yeah. Maybe another good stop. <laughs> so then, so what's the scene then when, when there's not a big race going on, is it just, just kind of a laid back atmosphere? You know, what's, what's it like? Yeah. I mean, the, the Isle of Man today, I mean, it's, it's turned into kind of like a tax financial haven. So probably the last 25 years, there's, there's a big banking insurance industry that that's developed. So a lot, a lot of companies have their headquarters there. Mm. Kind of like, you know, what Bermuda, the Cayman Islands, the Virgin Islands, you know, like an offshore center. That's what it's become. Rewind the clock back 30 years. It was fishing. It was farming, agriculture, um, tourism. So the, the island has gone through a big change. There's, there's a lot more wealth there today than, than there ever was. But the people are, are relaxed. You know, we have this local saying in the Isle of Man, which is trade allure in, in Manx Gaelic. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, take it easy, guys. You know, there's no rush. It'll get done tomorrow. Nice. So, it's kind of like, a, yeah, it's, it's a laid back, laid back place. Nobody works past 5.01 p.m. in the afternoon. 
You know, you're, you're working in an office there. Everyone runs for the door at five o'clock, you know, not a minute of overtime. So it's, it's a laid back place and it's, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful place. Very green, very mountainous, more, more sheep and cattle than people. <laughs> so yeah. Very laid nice. back. And then for a couple of weeks out of the year, everyone gets all cranked up for speed. It just goes ballistic for, for the TT fortnight every year. Population close to doubles for, for that two weeks. Oof. And the place, the place just goes off, you know, party central, live music every night, street parties, bikers. Um, and there's never any problems. You know, there's no trouble. Just, just an awesome, awesome atmosphere for that time. Very nice. Now, I'm guessing with that much swell and, and the amount of people, we're talking about a lot of camping here for most of it camp i mean camping is a is a huge thing literally we do not have the bed capacity on the island in terms of guest houses and hotels so camping is huge and that there's campsites all around the island um which is a, a huge thing for people to do but probably the main thing that's happened in recent years the government have developed a homestay program where they allow local residents to rent out their bedrooms mm. to, to the biker so, I mean, that's more and more bikers come over and some of them have been staying with the same Manx families, you know, for 10, 20, 30 years because of these programs. And almost they, you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't miss staying with the family that they got to know many years ago. Right. That's become part of the experience for a lot of people as well. Being, being welcomed like a friend or a family member when they come over. So, Wow. We haven't even got to the racing and I'm already sold. <laughs> it's right. Time to go. <laughs> Come on, four, 49 days to this year's event. It's not too late. There's still time, as they say. Yeah. Is there still time? I'm sure by now it's probably all booked up, you know, because you yeah. want to maybe do it a couple months in advance, wouldn't you? Yeah. You, you, I mean, that, that, that would help, Rico. But, you know, you can, if you dive in a few days early, you know, before the real peak day, my, my dad has a spare room or a sofa. You know, you can, you can crash there, no problem. All right. I'll do that. He's just teasing you now, Rico. Yeah, I know, right? He's playing with my emotions. I see how you are, Ben. <laughs> awesome. Oh. Well, well, I guess one more thing on on sort of the feel before we we transition to some racing is, can you compare it to you know what you're feeling in Costa Rica, or is that partially why you you chose to go down there as well? I think the the you know I've I've traveled the world. Um, I I spent I, I left the Isle of Man. Um, at quite a young age. So when I was 21, I moved to Asia. Um, I lived in Hong Kong, you know, on the China border there, part of China. I lived in Singapore. Um, I spent 14 years of my life over in Asia. And I've seen a lot of the world. I've been very fortunate, traveled around, gone to different places. Mm. You know, now I'm in Central America, in Costa Rica. You, you get that first day of TT practice on the Isle of Man. The bikers start arriving. The ferries are busting at their seams with bikers coming off from all over the world, excited for the first day of TT. And I don't think you can match that atmosphere with anything I've seen around the world. In all my years of travels and the different places I've lived, you you cannot beat it. Goosebumps. Goosebumps. <laughs> likewise. Likewise. Well, good. So, yeah, let's transition off to that a little bit. Rico, just before I do that, did you have more on, on the Isle of Man? Go ahead. Yeah. We're good. <laughs> All right, so I was just going to take it from there. So you know, the ferries come in, people are unloading, everyone's all, you know, joyous and probably a little celebrating a little too early, you would say. But so what? What's the first big event 
that people line up for? I know there's a lot of practice and there's a lot of uh, trials running up to it, but what's the, what's the first big one of the week? Yeah, so what, what, what happens, it's one week of practice and one week of racing. Um, practices start on a Saturday evening, the first practice. And that's it's it's just like a tradition. It, they, they get going on the Saturday. The, the crowds probably only about thirty percent of the of the bikers and tourists have arrived mm-hmm. in terms of spectators. So you know, every, everyone is just piling in on that day. But I think everyone has their tradition for that first Saturday practice. Of like my my friends and family, they've gone to the same bar or the same hedge to what to watch the first practice that they've always gone to. It's almost like a tradition and you wouldn't, for the first practice, you wouldn't try something new. Gotcha. It's just, we, we know where we're going. I haven't lived on the Isle of Man for 15 years. I'm on the first Saturday practice without calling anybody. I could go to a hedge and know who's going to be there. <laughs> That's cool. Now, do the riders have their own traditions when they get to the island? Or is there a, point, a certain point on the island that they tend to go to to pay their respect for some of the other riders as it come before them yeah we we have we have a lot of tradition in terms of that um one one of the funniest ones we ha- we have a place and please you know listeners please google this for me it's called the fairy bridge um so we're quite a stupid superstitious lot in the isle of man and we have a bridge called the fairy bridge that we really believe there's that, that fairies live under it, and there's a lot of decorations hanging in the trees. A lot of a lot of children have written notes to the fairies and ask ask for different things, you know, wishes and different things. Many many famous riders of the TT use the fairy bridge um, as as almost like a place to go and and ask for you know for the fairies to watch over them during the races, keep them safe, you know, make them have a, a smooth and steady ride. Hmm. Um, one of the notable riders, I mean, a lot of you guys have probably heard of Joey Dunlop, have, you know, yep. he's won, won more TTs, 26 TTs more than anybody else ever. Um, and Joey was, was really famous for going down to the ferry bridge. Every time he visited the Isle of Man, even sometimes before the race, um, he'd go in the morning early if he felt a bit nervous or he felt like he needed someone to watch over him. Hmm. Um, it's, it's really gathered some tradition, the ferry bridge. Because a person from the Isle of Man, we call ourselves Manx, we cannot drive over the ferry bridge in the car without saying hello, fairies. So we'll be in the car on our own. You know, we'll be driving over the ferry bridge. Good morning, fairies. Hello, fairies. There's there's legend says that if you had a taxi driver that had a foreign person in the car that didn't know the superstition, and the person didn't, the foreigner didn't say hello to the fairies, the taxi would stop, turn around. And go back over it so that the person could say hello to the fairies. Oh, no kidding. Wow. So we, we, we take this kind of stuff very seriously. Wow. So on that bridge, I, I noticed you said there's uh, some mementos, I guess, that's hanging from the tree. So there's so what did that consist of? I'm looking on, on, on Google now. So there's like all types of things hanging from the tree, like padlocks. There's a pacifier. <laughs> you know, there's everything kind of stapled to this to this tree before the bridge is it's it's kind of like that bridge in france there is a, yeah with the padlocks there's all kinds of stuff on there that's that's hanging down um yeah i think the padlocks is a big thing Le- letters and personal notes is a big thing as well you know there's there's stuffed toys and there's there's all kinds of stuff on there so yeah very very cool guys you got to go and see it 
Yeah, it's for sure. It's been on my list for a long time, mainly for the racing. But the the more and more I hear about the area, I just I would visit it even when the TT is not going on. It sounds that cool. Yeah, I mean, there's the, the TT is a big one, guys, that everybody knows. You know, that's that's typically the last few days of May into the first into the first week of June every year. Um, but then we have the what's called the Southern Hundred, mm-hmm. which is another race in the south of the island, typically in July. And then we have what's now called the Festival of Motorcycling, um, which is in late August, which has got the Manx Grand Prix. And yeah. it's more like the amateur version of the TT. It's the same course, you know, but it's, it's, it's more the guys that are starting out. Typically, once you've won a Manx Grand Prix, the guys would step up and do the TT. Um, but what, what's really happened in the Festival of Motorcycling in, in August now, they've got what's called the Classic TT. And that, that is just unreal. You know, you you guys, some of the bike porn that goes on there, <laughs> you know, the, the real old bikes, and it's just amazing. So I was I was over there for that. I think I was there three, two years ago. I was there for the Manx Grand Prix, um, and the and the Classic TT in August. But I haven't actually been to the TT since two thousand and eight. Okay, I haven't been back there for, since two thousand and eight. So I'm now forty nine days away from going to my first TT in nine years. So stoked is an understatement um, for what I've got coming in in May and June this year. Oh, we're, we're one year off. Rico and I were just talking a couple of days ago. I was like, we really need to pin it and just go, but it's probably going to have to be 18. That would yeah. be awesome. Yeah. Every year, whether, whether I'm there or not, you know, now I'm living in Costa Rica. I got a, I got a sport fishing business. Last year, the TT was on. I have the live timing app on my iPhone, mm-hmm. and I had my local radio station from the Isle of Man. I was out fishing on the boat in Costa Rica, and I had the live timing on and the local radio. The clients that were fishing on the boat couldn't believe what I was doing, but they loved it. <laughs> I just couldn't, I couldn't miss the action. As we talk about the racing aspect of it, so when, when the riders come there, I mean... You know, are there a lot of bike shops, a lot of bike dealerships? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of mechanics there. So tell us a little bit about that scene as far as when they come there, who's going to look after their bikes and help them in the pit? I think that, you know, that the, the top guys that, you know, the, let's say the top 10, 10, 15, 20 riders, typically, you know, that there's a lot of money behind them. They're in the top teams. They come over with 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 their guys you know their mechanics their teams their sponsors and everything um, their big motorhomes all of that stuff when you get down to some of the you know some of the privateers yeah. and, and some of the some of the local riders that are actually from the isle of man it's you know one of my very good friends is actually he won the manx grand prix two years ago you know all of my friends were were, were helping him out in terms of sponsorship you know, we all threw a few hundred dollars in towards his tires and his fuel and that kind of stuff. Nice. So the privateers, the privateers don't have any any backing behind them. So it becomes a real community thing to try and give these guys a head start. Um, at, very interestingly, my father, um, Terry Gilmore, so he's he's born and bred in the Isle of Man as well. He's kind of made his life around the the road racing scene in the Isle of Man, and he's always had his eye on. Who are the up and coming young guys that, that need a hand in life to get started? Um, only two years ago, my, my dad owned, it was either five or six bikes. So he's got a real love for, for small bikes. 
Um, he, he, you know, the, the four strokes, he loves, he loves one, two fives and two fifties as, as they've been phased out over the years, he, he was getting more and more disappointed with the emergence of the big bikes. Yeah. Um, see, so he, he really loves that stuff. Um, but so many times he supported young guys, you know, 18 years old to 25 years old, giving them a head start. And, and some of the, some of the guys that my dad's helped, he's not only provided them a bike, He's also, you know, d- done the spannering for them as well. So he's been chief mechanic. This is going back, you know, 40 years. My, my dad's been involved in that kind of stuff. So, wow. you know, he, he's, he's, he's absolutely bike crazy. I think he's had bikes in the living room in his house on show. He's, you know, every, every wall in his house has got some kind of bike memorabilia to do with the TT and his friends and, and different things that have rode for him over the years. So, so I, I, I got I got pulled into it by by him. Probably I was six seven years old, and and dad dad was bike crazy, and he bought me my first bike. Um, it was a Yamaha. It was a it was a TY eighty. It was a trials bike, and we we'd be off the bike would be in the back of the van, and I was going off doing schoolboy trials and you know learn, learning the ropes about biking. And I I was really it felt like I was set to follow a path that many do in the Isle of Man when they start in trials bikes. You know, they go into motocross and then they go into road racing. And that's that's the path that a lot of guys take over there. And one day I I was in a store and I seen a fishing rod in the store. And I asked my dad, could he buy me a fishing rod? And he did. And my life has just took a complete tangent away from motorbikes. Uh. <laughs> and I've I've ended up, you know, here I am, fast forward. I'm I'm thirty six years old, living in Costa Rica owning a fishing business. So I could have been that's racing awesome. them. I could have been racing the mountain circuit with Michael Dunlop and those guys. Oh man. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so, so going back to your dad, so anyone famous that we would know that he has, uh, uh, been the head mechanic for. So my, my, my dad's really proud of, um, the time that he spent with Connor Cummins. So Connor, Connor Cummins is, is a, is a, he's from the Isle of Man. Mm-hmm. He's a young guy. I, I don't know exactly how old he is, but he's probably he's probably about twenty eight or thirty now. But my dad was with Connor when he was seventeen, and really seen the talent in Connor. And and they they traveled to England many times. There was a thing called the R six Cup, where all the all the young riders um, went went around you know for the for the season round to all of the English circuits racing on on Yamaha R sixes. Um, my dad was was chief mechanic for Connor for many years. He's now become one of the top guys at the TT, you know, until today up, up there with Ian Hutchinson and Michael Dunlop and those guys mm-hmm. right now. Um, so he's, Connor's just joined the Padgett's team and he, you know, he's always on the TV and one of the top names. Um, my, my, my dad was, was very close and, and has been for many years with the Dunlop family as well. Okay. So, you know, Joey, everyone knows Joey Dunlop and, and these days you've got Michael Dunlop and Sam Dunlop and William Dunlop. My my dad um, has been to Ireland, it, over to Ballymoney with with those guys many times, and Sam Dunlop um, used to ride my dad's bikes um, for for a number of years as well. So the, the list goes on. Um, there's there's an awful lot of people that he's helped over the years, and yeah, he just he gets so much pride for for, for helping these guys out. Um, but he was always very careful. You know, he did he didn't have lots of money to throw around and. One of these guys puts your bike in a wall. You know, it's an expensive exercise. Right, right. So he was always very careful. You know, young young guns would come through that are quick. 
my dad would say that that guy needs to calm down a bit and slow down a bit before I'd let him on my bike. So, so yeah, he always had a keen eye for for talent. Wow, interesting to hear you say that he likes the the one two fives and the the smaller bikes. Does he think that the the bikes they have now, you know, the one thousands, I think that's too much. Like, are we, you know, are we going too fast nowadays? I think he just he loved he loved the. He just thinks it was it was more about the riders in the old days mm-hmm. rather than the bikes. And you know, he, he just really really loves the the two fifties and one two fives. You know, those the engines, the smell, the ever everything about it, the sound. You know, real racing, and he's still glued. You know, to 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 MotoGP and all all of that kind of stuff. But I suppose he's a bit of a traditionalist in many ways. Yeah. One of the bikes that dad um, that dad had, he had an RG five hundred, you know, a Grand Prix bike, and mm-hmm. that was a that was a real pride and joy for him over a number of years. But that that bike's long gone. The, the collections kind of changed over the years. So, <laughs> but that he he still talks about that one quite a lot. Yeah, and it, we had talked a little bit about racing in our our last episode, and you know, I'm sort of following World Superbike instead of MotoGP because I, you know, kind of looking for the bikes to be a little closer to what you can realistically purchase. You know, as opposed to being a an oil baron or somebody you know, to to afford a, a GP bike, for example. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I watched. You know, we we're talking about Michael Dunlop, and I watched his record lap again this afternoon. And I was telling Rico that it's going by so fast, I have a hard time even recognizing which way the course goes. You know, it's like you know they come barreling into a corner. You know, he's hard on the brakes setting up for a turn and i'm like all right it's going to be a hard left-hander and then he turns right it's like huh <laughs> yeah didn't pick a, that out of the crowd <laughs> yeah so that's a good transition so 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 ben um describe the track so does does the course go through the the capital through through the towns and everything so tell us about you know the city aspect of the course i mean some of these roads are just ordinary roads that people drive every day right yeah. The course, uh, you know, when when I lived on the island and my, you know, most of my family and all of my good buddies are still there, we drive those roads every day of the week, you know, without without really thinking. Once once June, once May and June is done with and TT week, we get back to normal life, and we're not really thinking about that. Guys are going two hundred miles an hour down those roads. <laughs> it quickly, you know, the 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 hay bales are taken down, the, the sponsorship signs are taken down, and we kind of just get on with things, but. When the course starts, it starts in a place called Douglas at what's called the TT Grandstand. That's the main grandstand with the scoreboards and the start-finish line. Mm-hmm. And it starts, and very quickly, within the first quarter mile, it goes down one of the steepest descents on the course, which is called Bray Hill. That thing, I mean, just just watch in the first 10 seconds of any onboard video for the TT no sooner have you left the start than you're going down this hill and those guys are just hanging on for dear life so the first mile or two you you you're in the main um town the the capital douglas quickly you start leaving and going into quiet places you know through farmland and yep. um, winding you know it's it's still quite flat um going through winding villages and you know stone walls and old traditional cottages and pubs old old english kind of pubs um and that kind of thing once you get about eight or ten miles into the course, you start climbing. Um, and when, when when we start climbing, the course actually, you know, it's 37 and three-quarter miles is one lap. 
Um, but it actually, it, it has to ascend a mountain in that process. <laughs> mm-hmm. So a mountain, it's called the TT mountain course. Um, and kind of like the, probably about 60%, 50, 60% into the lap. Then you really start going up into the main mountain section. And wow, you know, that I think that the small bikes struggle on, on that climb so that the, the big bikes can get up there a lot easier, but there is nothing up there. You're going through, you know, it's all it is is sheep um there's no there's no houses up there and you're just winding along the lead bikes have got the the camera helicopter and the safety helicopter following them and you want to see the you know the footage that those helicopters get when the bikes are going over the mountain on on a bright blue sky clear day it's just incredible stuff yeah i like some of the more wide open courses like you said when you get up i don't know i guess it would be over the mountain where you get a lot of sweepers Oh, it's, it's just, yeah. Yeah, got, it doesn't got, turn as sharp, and they're just, they don't downshift. They're just hauling through through those fields. The mountain mile is a, is a climb just, just towards the end of the top mm-hmm. when you get up the mountain, and the, the speeds that they pull up there is just incredible. you got the veranda four bends, um, another famous one, which, which is a series of four right-handers. Um, but yeah, some of those sweepers, that they're, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're in fifth gear going around them, and yeah, incredible stuff. Yeah, like you said, that's the big wide sweeping helicopter shots. That's just that's incredible. classic TT right there. Question: So, 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 what's the best spot on the island to watch the race from? Depends on where you sat last year. <laughs> my personal favorite, um, and this is with this is with my buddies. Um, there's a there's a very famous bar called the Craigne Bar. It's right. It's a, it's only a few miles from the end of the course. There's another place called Hillbury, um, which which is a right-hander. Um, my favorite place is in between Hillbury and Craignabar. We have to walk through farmers' fields to get there. We'd bring a picnic. We bring the radio, you know, some sunscreen, that kind of thing, and probably go with ten or fifteen friends. You know, camp out for the whole day. You know, eight eight nine hours on the bank. Yeah, a few beers, a flask of coffee. You know, some food and the radio and everything. And we we just sit on the hedge because it was quite quiet. You know, it's it's a bit difficult to get to. We'd have to park park the car and walk, park the car, park the bike, walk quite a way through the fields. Um, so that was a personal favourite of mine. If I had to describe it to the listeners, probably about about eight hundred metres before Hillbury. Mm. The Hill Hillbury is one of the famous corners. Probably mm. about eight hundred metres um, coming off one corner. And then you, you can see them coming off one corner and then you can see them going into Hillbury. So, but the, the speed that they get and it just, it takes your breath away when they pass you and your, your kind of legs are dangling over the hedge. It's just incredible. <laughs> now, how are you keeping up with the, with the results? Something over the, the broadcast or radio again? We, we'll have, so our, our local radio station, Manx Radio, mm-hmm. um, has a broadcast called Radio TT commentary is awesome the you know the guys they have a series a series of commentators that really know the history their stuff so we we always have radio tt going and then we have a live time timing app as well so you know all the bikes have have chips on them so we can see all the different sector times and, and what the positions are and everything so you know the live timing and the and the radio that's how we keep track yeah because i imagine it's a lot it's a lot more difficult than, than just a regular road course because they're going to come by, you know, every minute or a couple of minutes if it's a big course. But, you know, you're talking about your favorite rider might go by and you won't see them 
I don't know what for an hour. Team 17 minutes, yeah. Well, yeah, if it's in the same race, right? If it's just practice or something, you might not see him for another hour. <laughs> so that brings me on to something. Um, just kind of cast my memory back, really, guys. Now, when I was about 10 years old, I was in the Boy Scouts. Um, and every year, the Boy Scouts were were brought in to manage the official scoreboard of the TT. So what we used to do, some of us were assigned to manage what they'd call the clocks. We'd have to sit and listen to the radio. Mm-hmm. There'd be there'd be sector marshals around the course that every time a bike went past, they'd call out the number of the bike over the radio. We then had to adjust the position of of that bike on the score chart so that the spectators in the main TT grandstand on the start finish line could see, okay, this bike has now crossed that point on the course. This is way before technology and you know the electronic chips that the bikes have and the tracking right. facility these days um we literally other other boy scouts were assigned to paint on the lap times onto pieces of slate um the, the same kind of slate as you'd use to tile a roof on a house mm-hmm. and we used to display those slates on the scoreboard with the lap time the race time who was you know who was in what position nice. really quite crazy thinking back to how things have changed yeah they were the commentators were talking about technology this last season just in terms of you know, does it take away from the experience a little bit? Because you can almost see, like you said, sector by sector where people are. Like, are they gaining? Are they losing? You know, and in previous previous years, not too long ago, you had to wait until they could finish the lap to kind of see where they were stacking up. So, correct. Does that take anything away for you, or it's still just as exciting? I think. I mean, in back in the day, we only we only knew what we knew, so we 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 loved. You know, we got used to waiting right. 20 minutes for the bikes to come around to know who was winning. And, but we just, we loved the atmosphere the way it was. But I think now, you know, from my perspective, living overseas, I've been able to keep tabs on what's been happening at the TT for the 15 years that I haven't lived there. Um, every time I'm listening to the radio, people will call in from New Zealand, from the States, from Africa, from all over the world saying hey guys we're listening to the coverage and what great coverage and i I think it's just with technology it's brought it's it's brought the the tt to a more global audience which which is awesome for the event um and for everybody involved yeah i agree yeah i I follow it as much as i can like you said i have the the timing app as well and i get some of the video feed when i can last year i got a little extreme i went uh kind of vpn my way over to somewhere in the uk so i could watch some of the live tv (laughs) yeah Um, but yeah the thing i look forward to every year is the the year in review dvd and i think it's um produced by a company called duke duke yeah which is just a a local one of our kind of local media outlets on the isle of man in in the main high street and they they just they put together an awesome production every year of that yeah that's as soon as i can order that it's it's ordered and, and on its way to my house that's the one that hooked in Rico. 20, it was 2014 or 15. I forget which one. Uh, true. So, you know, during that time, so May, June, what's the temperature like? You know, what, what's, what's, what's the feeling there? Is it a cool, is it a, is there, is the atmosphere a little cooler? Is it hot there? What, what's it like? Cause I'm trying to envision what the writers are going through as they, you know, tear through the city, up through the mountains. I mean the transitions of the different temperatures. I mean, how what what's it like? In a, in a typical two week um, in a two week practice and race schedule, you those riders are going to see all four seasons 
that we're used to in in the UK. Um, it's going to rain at some point. Typically, it's going to be windy. It's going to be cold, and then the sun will come out. and And as they call it, it'll be it'll be kind of cracking the slabs. So probably a warm day in June on the Isle of Man. Maybe is twenty two Celsius. I don't know the exact conversion of that in Fahrenheit, but about twenty two, twenty three. But some days it might be twelve Celsius, pretty cold. Mm-hmm. So literally, we see we see everything. Probably in in terms of climate and weather, the biggest thing that causes a problem on the Isle of Man, um, and this goes back to some folk legend as well um, about one of the gods that we that we have over there, um, is because it's a mountain course, we always get a lot of fog and mist. So many times the races are cancelled or postponed or delayed because of that mist. So if the mist is over the mountain, the helicopter can't, the video helicopter can't fly, the safety helicopter can't fly, the race is postponed. Hmm. So we, we'll we'll be on a hedge. We'll have walked through fields. We'll have our we'll have the best spot for spectating. We'll be on a hedge at seven or eight o'clock in the morning. Maybe yeah. the races don't get underway till two or three in the afternoon because of the fog. So Rico, wow. for for comparison, twenty two Celsius is seventy one Fahrenheit. So that's that's nice. Yeah, that's the nice. That's that's on a warm day. That's yeah. real warm. And it was warm last year, if I remember. They were talking about some of the heat. You know, drivers trying to stay cool. Drivers, <laughs> riders trying to stay cool. They come in the pits. They were, you know, giving them water and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I I gotta ask this because I got to. <laughs> you know. So as I I'm listening. As I listen to you talk, what's the accent that I'm picking up here? I mean, it's it's almost like a, an English accent, but it's a, it has a different slang to it almost. So tell me about that. Because <laughs> I'm trying to, is is it like a United Kingdom type of accent? Is it a, um, Irish and Atlantic, I guess you could say? Probably, what's the accent? Probably, Rico. It's a bit of a mixture of all of that. So we're, you know, we're, we're close to Northern England. A, a lot of people in the Isle of Man sound like they're from Liverpool, um, who talk way different than Southern England, places like London. Mm-hmm. They talk quicker. Um, I've, I think my, my, my own accent has mellowed out quite a lot. I've lived, I've lived in foreign countries where the first language is not English. Right. Um, so I had to slow mine down a bit to be understood. Um, but now we, we've got our own unique way of speaking. Um, kind of, you know, there's a real kind of farmer contingent in the Isle of Man. So there's a lot of colloquial language getting spoken. Yeah, mine's a, a person from the Isle of Man would know I was from the Isle of Man. <laughs> I can imagine. So is the, does it, do, does the Isle of Man have its own language? Almost. Yeah, we, we have a language called Manx Gaelic, which, which, um, you know, a lot of people on the island are very proud of, but unfortunately it was, it was kind of dying off. Um, for some years, and I remember when I was at school, it, it wasn't really in the schools. Um, great news, probably in the last ten years, it feels like there, there's a resurgence. Mm. Uh, it's 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 a bit more in the in the schools. There's some real kind of advocates trying to keep Manx Gaelic going. So hopefully, hopefully, there's enough people you know that that are speaking it to to keep it alive. Myself and most of my friends can't even speak the language. You know that that that's a sign of how you know, how things have changed from, from older times. I dig it. Anytime we get to hear something different, <laughs> it's, yeah, right? it's just good to, you know, 
just conversate with people from different parts of the world. That's, I always find it fascinating. Awesome. Awesome. The other thing too, you know, this, this is, you know, you know, stepping away from the, the, the racing aspect, but you know, there's a famous cat there that, you know, that's a special breed of cat and it's tailless and everything. Can you tell us about that? And have you had one during your, your, your lifespan? Yeah. So our, our famous cat is, is called a Manx cat. (laughs) So it's M A N X. And basically it's a cat with no tail. So it, it literally doesn't have a tail. It's, it's called a stubby cat. Um, their, their back legs are a bit, a bit bigger than normal, you know, almost like a hair, um, would be. So they, they, they are different than, than a normal, a normal cat. Um, there's a, there's even a bar in the Isle of Man called a, the cat with no tail. So any, any of you guys that are heading over there, be sure to go in to the cat with no tail for, for a pint probably two, 300 meters from the, from the racetrack for the TT. Um, but I've personally never owned a Banks cat, but every time I'm over there, you see them around, you know, it's nice. kind of a, a nice reminder of home and kind of our uniqueness. You know, it's nice. All the places that I go around the world and I go home and I see a Manx cat, I know I'm home. That is so awesome. Tell us about, um, you know, I guess the culture there, how, how is it? Well, I think I think what he's getting at is we need to find good food and good beer during and exactly. after the race. <laughs> that, that too, and and the best the best type of food, you know, to eat while you're there. You know, the best place to go to eat. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, you're right, Rich. Held it. <laughs> no visit to the Isle of Man, guys, is complete without eating two dishes. Uh, the first one is called Manx Kippers, which is a locally caught fish called herring. They're, they're smoked in various places around the island. So one of the most famous places for them is, is a village called Peel, where they, 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 ha- they still have traditional smokehouses. Now, 5, 6 a.m. in the morning, you'll be driving in the car down in Peel. The smell of, of cooking smoked kippers can be, can be smelled all the way around the village, and it's just an awesome, awesome smell. You know, you're by the seaside. The, the seagulls, our local birds, are chirping. The smell of smoke kippers in the air. It's just awesome. So mm. any of you guys that are heading over for the TT or, or just to the Isle of Man, make sure you try some Manx kippers. The other thing that you must try when you go to the Isle of Man, normally this is eaten about 3 or 4 a.m. after, after 10, 15, 20 pints of, of Manx ale. So, <laughs> so we, I think, which, which is chips. So to, to you Americans, it's French fries, but ours are a bit thicker normally. Yeah. So so French fries, cheese, grated cheese, and gravy. Oh. So the type of the type of gravy that you would normally put on on beef or or that type of stuff. But we have chips, cheese, and gravy. Three or four a.m. The the queues of people that are outside our fast food shops waiting to eat their chips, cheese, and gravy as they stagger home along the promenade to their hotel, you know, <laughs> ready, ready for the day's racing the next day. Um, chips, cheese, and gravy. It's a local flavor and you guys have got to try it. Oh, for sure. Now don't gloss over the Manx ale local, locally. Yeah. Friend. So we've, we've got what one of our main breweries is called Ockels. Okay. Um, you know, they, they really, they're, they're more famous for bitters, you know, real, real ales. Um, so more, more, more flat ales. There's, there's very good ales to be had in the Isle of Man with Ockels. Another brewery is called Bushies. 
Bushy's Brewery. <laughs> um, really, really famous. Their their logo was a was a fox. Um, there was a car that drives around the Isle of Man, the Bushy's car, which was the shape of a bottle, a beer bottle. Hmm. So that that was an iconic symbol that you'd see driving around. And and in the biking world, um, Bushies have an annual beer tent, um, which which is part of the TT, yeah. and that is the number one place on the Isle of Man to converge in terms of drinking and having a good time during the TT. So I remember when I was a kid, everyone would go down to Bushies beer tent. You'd stand on the promenade. There would be thousands upon thousands of bikes lined up in a row. Guys would be going down, you know, naked chicks on the back of the bike. Uh, donuts, burnouts. The the police were there keeping an eye, <laughs> and they didn't mind at all. So they they you know the the police would be giving their helmets to the you know to the bikers and really getting involved in in the fun. You know, go, Google some of the stuff, guys, about the police on the Isle of Man for the TT, oh, and you'll sure. see how and you'll see how supportive they are and how you know how how they're supportive of the fun and the good time. Um, Things have happened over the years, different safety things. And, and of course, times have changed, health and safety. Mm-hmm. It's been reined in a little bit, but people still go there and have a great time. Cool. So, so the island, does it have a speed limit that everybody has to adhere to? Yeah, we, we have a sign. <laughs> um, if, you, if you were English, because over in England, that, the, that sign means national speed limit applies, which I think is 55 miles an hour. So if you're driving along a road in England, you see a white sign with a black stripe through it. Okay, I've got to, I've got to do 55 miles, he- miles an hour here. If you see that sign in the Isle of Man, it's anyone's game. There's no speed limit. Mm. So just on certain parts of the roads. Um, the mountain course, um, typically, you know, that, that's no speed limit. Um, but what, what they do during the racing periods of the, of the Manx Grand Prix and the TT, mm-hmm. they make the mountain course one way even during roads open time oh, um, nice di- different things have happened accidents and whatever so so they just make it one way more for the safety of everybody so so you know it is it is really awesome to be able to go and and ride those roads and 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 see what the riders see but you know a lot of a lot of stuff has happened over the years and a lot of people have lost loved ones and everything so mm-hmm. I'd, I'd urge everybody that goes over there go and enjoy it go and go and see everything but but do be careful you know it's kind of you know people have got this there's families there'll be there'll be mum and dads with children sat on the hedges watching all the bikers go around and and unfortunately too many times bikes have ended up in the hedge and people have lost people people have lost loved ones so go and enjoy it go and enjoy it be careful at the same time well I, i've got one more quick one and then uh I was going to say, we'll let you go, or you're welcome to hang on. Rico and I have just a couple other little topics we might get to. But having not been, I think you said 15 years you haven't been to the TT? No, nine, I, I went, I, I left the Isle of Man in 2002. Okay. So that, that's when I moved home. And I went to the TT in 2003 from, from Hong Kong. Okay. Two, 2004, 2005, 2006. 2007, 2008. Oh. I went every single year from Asia. Cost me a lot of money in plane tickets and a lot of time, but I wouldn't miss it. In 2008, I met a young lady who's now my wife and the mother of my daughter. <laughs> times have changed. Indeed. So, time, times do change. So I actually haven't been to the TT since 2008. 
but we're going in 49 days. So uh-huh. we're, we're, we're going to be there for the 2017 TT um, with my wife, with, with my daughter. Um, can't wait to get over there. That's funny. My, my first son was born in 08, and I haven't done a lot of things since then either. <laughs> you get it. But I was going to ask real quick, Rigo, before you get to that, do you have a favorite going back this year? Or do you not pick favorite? What, what, what do you mean a favorite rider? Favorite rider or, or team or particular brand of bike, maybe? You know, you know, like I'm, I've become over the years, I've become a big John McGuinness fan mm-hmm. and things, things change, you know, every, every five, 10 years, you know, new guys come through, but John, John McGuinness has just, he's been around a long time. He's, he's not far behind Joey Dunlop's, you know, record of the most TT wins ever. And he does it with such humility. You know, I've, I've seen John on the Island. I remember one day. I think it was the day after the TT had finished. And I think he, I think he won a double that year. He won two races at the TT, and I seen him at a very quiet place on the island having a photo shoot done mm-hmm. with his with his trophies that he just won. I went up and said, "Hi, John. Awesome week." Was was watching it and that. And those guys, there's they're in the spotlight. The TV cameras are there, but these guys have such humility. They're bikers. They love what they do. Yeah, and they never ignore their fans. So for me, it's you know. I, I just I've always looked at John McGinnis, um, and I, I always root for him when I when I'm over there. You know, he's he's getting towards the end of his career. Young guns have come through. Uh, Michael Dunlop has just blitzed things for the last few years, and you know he was he was going to be riding Honda with with John McGinnis this year. I just seen a few weeks ago that he's jumped ship and he's gone to Suzuki. Um, I, I heard a few days ago that he just posted his fastest ever time at Ooh. one of the test circuits in the in in England as part of the Suzuki testing. So quicker than he'd ever gone before around that circuit. I think it was Donington Park, something like that. Um, I think Michael Dunlop will be a tough man to beat. Well, he was on he was on BMW last year, was he not? Yeah, he, not? he's yeah. bounced around a bit, Michael. He 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 has a habit of falling out with teams, and <laughs> he wears. In in true Irish kind of fashion, he wears his heart on his sleeve, and yeah, he he, he always says the wrong thing on radio, but he doesn't care. He's, <laughs> he's he's there to he's there to win races, and if he loses a sponsor or two on the way, he doesn't care. That a boy, he's bad fast. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, but he's he's awesome. But then you get then you get people like Ian Hutchinson. I think he he was the first guy ever. Um, I forget what year it was, but he won five races in a week. And he's so quiet, unassuming, shy, but that guy is just a demon. Had a really bad accident a few years ago, almost lost his foot. Um, that, that wasn't in the TT, that was in, that was circuit racing in, in England. The doctor wanted to amputate his foot. And, and Hutchie said that you're not going to do it. That guy's come back and won races after, you know, after, after going through all of after that ordeal. Yeah. After wow. that come back and he's won TTs after it. So there's, there's so much talent at the top there. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll definitely, I'll be watching John McGuinness, Butchie, um, and Michael Dunlop as well. Cool. So one, one last question that I have, and this is again, off the topic of racing, because, you know, <laughs> it's just fascinating to hear about the Isle of Man, you know, cause you never, a lot of people, like you said, hasn't heard of it. And it's just one of these things that I was curious to see as anyone else has seen this. So apparently you can see like the Northern lights, uh, from the Isle of Man. Is that true? You know, I, I, I spent a lot of my younger years on, on the Island fishing in the depth of winter, 
when the best time to see the Northern Lights is. And in my in my life, I never seen them once. In in the last few years, there's been a lot of guys seeing them up there. So so it it has become a place. But I I remember 15 20 years ago, we we never used to see them in those days. But whether things have changed or whether I was I wasn't looking well enough or <laughs> wrong wrong place wrong time, I don't know. But yeah, it's, it's definitely possible. Focus on the fish. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so Ben, before we let you go, why don't you plug your um your website and uh your company name so people can look you up and you know if they come to Costa Rica can uh, take advantage of your services there. I w- I would love to, Rico. Thank you. So hey guys, so I'm I'm living down here in Capos in, in Costa Rica. Um the Manuel Antonio National Park is one of the most famous places in Costa Rica. And I live five minutes from that national park. I got a beautiful sport fishing boat called Good Day, which is a 31-foot sport fishing boat. Nice. You can look me up on www.jackpotsportfishing.com. Um, have a look on there. We're, we're all over social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of that, Jackpot Sport Fishing. And we're down here. We're fishing for, for yellowfin tuna. We catch marlin. We catch sailfish. We catch roosterfish, dorado tons of other stuff so down here i'm i sat in an office for 18 years selling insurance and and administering insurance and always dreamt of having a fishing business and with a good lady behind me a couple of years ago uh we found the courage to say look let's go and chase our dreams so we we kind of wave goodbye to the corporate life moved down here to costa rica and making a real great go of things down here our own business um bringing up our daughter in a completely different environment learning a new language so life is great and would be awesome to see some of you guys down here that's awesome we're so happy for you that's cool thank you buddy and we'll also put a link to that in our show notes which will be loudpipes.net slash 81 awesome all right well thanks ben we appreciate it this has been fascinating we we love the isle of man especially the tt but but now i think i i want to go there and visit for the race and another time without the race just so i can see all there is to see eat some chips cheese gravy that's right (laughs) awesome thank thank you so much guys had had a blast i'm I'm all out of my beer here so i think it's a good time to end the show and i'll i'll go and grab another from the fridge awesome sounds good thanks man take care have a great day thank you guys see you later bye-bye take care bye oh man there you go there you go wow we gotta go, man. We gotta know, go. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, too oh. cool. Too cool. And I still kind of found it a little hard to believe that, like I said, being a sport bike rider, you were a little bit aware of it, but you were not. You were not awakened to it like I was. Right. Right. And you know, until you started, like you know, here the TT started, and you're like, I'm like, what, really? And you know, and then after <laughs> when you gave me the CD, and after sitting there watching, I'm like, oh, I was just blown away, dude. <laughs> like, what are they doing? Holy cow! So you see, you know, you see the snippets on YouTube or whatever, or them going past some corners. You see photographs of them doing a willy through some of those some of those twisties or against a against a like a brick wall or something oh yeah and like what catching air you know bike yeah off the ground you're just like yeah you know and like and as a race you know i'll admit it's it's essentially a time trial if you think of it it's like they're not really out there racing bar to bar they're all racing against the clock 
Right. So it's a little different in that regard. So yeah, it's not like MotoGP. It's not World Superbike where you know you're watching the whole field at one time. But just the brutal speed and the fact that this is not a racetrack. Like if these guys make a mistake, they're yeah. slamming into some trees or you know a moss covered right. stone wall. Like you know they're not sliding through the gravel and popping into some you know nice soft hay bales like. You're going to get hurt. That's a gift. Yeah. And that's why there's been a lot of deaths there too. So, All right. It's part of the attraction, I would imagine. But that's been, you know, it's been going on for so long. I think since what, 1907? Something crazy like that. Yep. Yeah. I was just looking at that a few minutes ago. So this will be what, 110 years? Yeah. I guess that's right. That's crazy. Crazy town. So, <laughs> right. I guess the only thing I wanted to say about speed was just, you know, the fact that it's not a racetrack, you know, it's, I don't want to say it's easier on a racetrack, but you have a little bit more, a little bit more safety, especially the runoffs. That's the biggest thing. Like these guys, they don't have runoffs. It's, it's stone walls or you're going out into the pasture. Yeah. You're hitting a mountainside or something. Yeah. It's generally not pretty. And, and they're whizzing right through, you know, right through these towns. And so there's, buildings there and barricades it's gotta have big cojones that's for sure oh my goodness yeah so you know i guess after a week of uh practice runs and everything you get really familiar with you know the the course itself and um hopefully you know you're mentally preparing you know a lot on a lot of those turns and, and really getting the feel for your bike and how far you can push before you know you lose traction or something so yeah. you know these guys that are riding the isle of the man these are the cream of the crop i think because of the you know of the danger of just you know doing that course so you know I, my hat's off to these guys because these guys are true professional if you're going to tackle that course on the Isle of Man, you really got to know what you're doing and you really got to be capable. Yeah. And they do have it memorized. Like, like I was saying, I've, I watched this video and I really struggle in, in certain places, especially in the towns. I really struggle with just like, where does the course go? You know, like there's, there's different banners and barricades and, you know, the signage changes constantly. There's really no, you know, unless there's signage there that I'm not picking up on, it's like, there's no consistent clue as to which way that the course goes. Right. So, yeah, I can't wait. What is it? 45 days. It says 49 on the website, but you know, mid forties and it's, it's a little difficult to watch from here. Like I said, I, I catch a little bit of it through the internet. I do watch some of the timing and scoring and I mainly just wait for my review, my review Blu-ray disc. And then I drink it all in like in an evening. Right sit down have a couple and, and enjoy it wow so what do you think my man we got other things we want to talk about or is that enough yeah well we're, we're like an hour 20 minutes in i think well, just about an hour just All a right. shade over an hour well i have a couple other little quick ones but we'll come back to these okay in a future episode but i went and looked at the new indian uh chieftain limited today oh what what Say what? Okay, so what'd you think? I mean, I know you're you're not a fan of the big front uh, fender on the thing. So mm-hmm, what'd you think? Mm-hmm. And the tires, I think the front tire is a little different too with that limited and the elite, right? The yeah, tire front tire, nineteen so, inch front wheel, and 
an open, more of an open fender style. Just lovely. Yeah, definitely getting more to my style. And the thing that really struck me about this was the massive size of the brake calipers. And I was I was talking to Mark, um, the owner over there of, of Indian of Charlotte, and I'm like, are those new for this year? He's like, no, they're on all the bikes. You just can't see them under the fenders. <laughs> it's like, wow, those calipers are massive. Nice. So, no wonder it stops so good. Yeah, Indian's got some good stopping power. And, you know, of course, he was touting that they, they stopped 30 feet shorter than the comparable Harley. So, Wow. 30 feet. That's... That's pretty big. That's Yeah, that's huge. But I guess my disappointment in going over there was that there was no Elite there. Oh. They had one coming that was not spoken for, but uh, they did say that they're all pre-sold. That's so, incredible. If, Even before they hit the showroom floor, they're sold. Yeah, that particular one, he said, was was not spoken for, but there was a guy standing right next to me who was eager to get one. <laughs> So, I'm not sure how long it's going to last. Right. Wow. But yeah, it was it was neat. I think I'm going to go back there. I I was going to ride some stuff today, but I I really didn't. I was late. Um one of the riders of Loud Pipes, Mike was over there. Uh so him and I hung out. Plus we had planned to ride a little bit and get something to eat. So I didn't ride anything, but I'm going to go back and I want to ride the Springfield. Yeah. I think that's my thing. So I want to ride the Springfield back to back with the Chieftain and and uh, maybe get the the new Limited out as well. Yeah, that'd be those are good. Those are two good rides I think you could do um, because, like I was saying in the in our channel, the rides are totally different. You know, from the Springfields to yeah. the Chieftain. You know, it's, and even the classic. You know, each bike ride has its own unique character, and um, I think you have to. Unless you're just hard set on a particular uh, uh, model, right? Um, I think you really need to do yourself a favor and ride each one at least once to get a feel for each bike and how it feels and how it performs. Because the the classic will ride different, the the dark horse will ride different, you know, because they don't have any of the heavy baggage along with it. So you just get an all motor. Yep, and you know, just how quick that motor is with nothing, not having to tow anything. It's, it's just amazing. Yeah. P- previous to the Springfield, I guess my bike would have been the chief classic, but I don't really like the soft bag. So now the Springfield has the hard bags, the detachable windshield, and it has a little bit narrower or a little bit shallower rake. So the handling is just a little bit more crisp than what you would get on like the Chieftain or even right. the Vintage. So yeah, I want to ride that for sure. But it's it's nice to go over there. They have so much good stuff. I I really enjoy dealerships like that that are single focused. You know, if if you're all in on Indian, this is a place for you to go. For sure. Yeah. Uh and and, and Mike really did me and he really got me in. I mean, oh, he snookered everybody <laughs> he today. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Oh, I was just so giddy that the fact that he, he said, I bought a, I bought myself an Indian. He's like, Rico, I bought an Indian. I was like, what? I was just like, oh my God. Cause he, he's always been kind of critical about the Indians. Yep. And I think he has a love for, or for Harley's, which is understandable, which is cool. But you know, for, for him to be there and th- throw that out there and then to throw out pictures, like, this is the one, 
<laughs> yeah, and I, I didn't know about the shenanigans until I got there. So he said that, and then I hopped on the bike and rode over there. Yeah. And you guys had already been joking around, you know, before I got there. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, use. Yeah, uh, so, the, so the snookering is he bought a, an Indian model, a little little die cast. Uh, I think it was a, a four-cylinder. 40. 40. Yeah. The Indian 40. I think we talked about that bike uh, on the show with Wyman. We did. Yeah. I still think that's your bike. Yeah. In terms of an old Indian, that's yours. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the one. You're right. So, yeah, I just wanted to mention that. We'll ride them again. We'll give a, we'll give a full report. And, and uh, I don't know, we'll get, we'll get our hands on an Elite. It sounds like, I don't know, we'd have to be a little higher in the press rank to get one of those or something. Right. Yeah. Or, or, or a listener that has one, and we can check it out. Well, you should be able to ride it because it's just as much as a Roadmaster. I mean, you know, with some cu- a custom paint job. So I wouldn't imagine them not letting you ride it unless it was spoken for. Well, that's what I'm saying. They just didn't have any. They're all since they're all spoken for. It's you know, it's like the Jack Daniels editions. They're they're sold before they're available. Right. Pre-sold. That's awesome. So yeah, I guess that's all I've got going on. Where we have a lot of things we're cooking up, but nothing really to talk about yet. But lots of irons in the fire, as they say. That's right. So what about you? Anything else? Anything exciting you want to talk about? Uh, I know you're looking nah. forward to getting back here and riding a little bit. Oh, that that's 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 gonna be epic. You know, just like uh, Ben was counting down the days to the TT, I'm counting down the days till I get back to Charlotte. So, uh, it's less less than a month now. Yep, yep. Just a couple more weeks, and I'm excited. Yep, I'm excited. Well, I think we're we're gonna work on the the R6 when you get here. I think I'll have parts. I'll get the chain and sprocket and fork seals and stuff like that. I'll get it ready. Mm-hmm. And then you and I can wrench on it when you're here. Sounds good. Yeah, three more weeks. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's <just> like salivating. <laughs> I can't uh, wait. I cannot wait. Oh, uh, just to start it up, to lift it off the center, off the stand. Just, uh, I can't wait. Just to hear. I'm just gonna sit there and just rev the motor. Just- <laughs> flipping it i cannot wait Mm. oh geez all right well we'd just like to say thanks again to to ben for joining us that was a good time and i'm sure we'll be hearing from him a little bit when when he gets over to the isle of man and maybe we'll get a little race report from him when he gets back that's what we should ping him for so I'll, i'll 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 have to email him that and ask him to see if he can uh Get us a little, uh, some snippets or some some morsels from the uh, TT this year. Some nuggets, if you will. Yeah, right. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, let's talk about events real quick. Um, John is doing one of our events. He's up in the mountains for the vloggers meetup, having a good time. He was in the live stream earlier, but I think he's gone off to bed at this hour. Yep. And what do I have coming up? The Outer Banks, uh, Outer Banks Bike Week, April 22nd to the 30th. Remember to go out there and find Mr. Dave Shoup. Uh, he'll be wearing his Loud Pipes t-shirt, the classic black. And he, he has promised to buy lunch for the first person that meets him 
uh, and says that they enjoy the show. And if he's already paid out his lunch, well, then get some show swag. You know, we're going we're gonna to load him up with our koozies and keychains and stickers and things like that. And, and John said he might try to go as well. So you might get to say hi to John as well. Awesome. And let's see what else we have going on. There is, I don't know, there's this Homestead Hootenanny thing. I think John's going to that. Teleco Plains. The Ray Price Capital City Bike Fest will be in September again. We've got, of course, the Barber Vintage Festival in October. <laughs> and I think that's it. A lot, of, a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes this year, but I'm sure there'll be other places we go. Oh, yeah, Spider Adventures. John might check that out. In Mag Valley. Cool. That's to be right on the heels of, of uh, the Vintage Fest. I don't want to put any more in the cup. Sorry. <laughs> and at some point john and i need to take the motorcycle safety course again so we need to line that up this summer uh, i probably should take that myself last call brother hogan well my man another great episode and a lot of good times this evening so thank you for hanging out my friend as always i enjoyed it and before we sign off i would like to take a minute to thank the riders of loud pipes for their continued support that would be the first five riders, Marcus, Rickard, Edward, Jebby, and Zion. Barbershop rider, Chuck. Riders group, Steve, Mike, Micah, Jim, Kenny, and Roger. And the insider, Darren, as well. Loudpipes.net slash donate is the place where you should go right now and sign up and enjoy all the perks we have available to our supporters. Get your t-shirts here. Get your t-shirts here. Get get your show merch over at loudpipes.net slash store. John and Natalie take care of that for us, and we appreciate it. And additional information for this episode, including links and images, can be found on our website, loudpipes.net slash 81. And be sure to check out uh, Ben's little fishing expedition. What's it called again, Rico? Jackpot. Jackpot fishing, something other. I'll look it up. He'll look it up. We'll put it in the notes. <laughs> Whoops. We have you links. Me off guard. <laughs> we have links there to leave us feedback, subscribe to the show, and follow us on social media. Well, let's see. We put one in the can. One of these. Shabila. Yep. It's called jackpotsportfishing.com. Thanks, Rico. <laughs> Good night. Good night. If you're enjoying the show and want more, check out loudpipes.net slash donate. For as little as $1 per month, you'll gain exclusive access to the Loud Pipes after show, The Downshift, as well as other content and sneak peeks available only to our supporters. Even $1 goes a long way, and we truly appreciate your support. Better yet, come ride with us. Step up to $5 a month and receive an invitation to the monthly video hangout and the Riders of Loud Pipes private social network. Hang out in the clubhouse with other riders, chat with us on show topics, and so much more. You want free swag? Select the barbershop level, and we'll send you a free t-shirt and an annual swag bag. Loudpipes.net slash donate.